Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for who you are and what you've done. I just pray that you speak through me, Lord. Help your word to be done. Open up our hearts and our minds as we receive your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we are going to camp out in Matthew chapter 2. If you want to go ahead and open up your Bible, verses 1 through 12, we're going to read a story that I'm sure that you're familiar with and have heard about a million times if you grew up in a Christian tradition or, or really, I mean, you've been part of any Christmas service. We're going to talk about the Magi. And so, but I would love to encourage you as we read it to kind of see it through fresh eyes and a fresh look, right? Because as we approach Scripture, I think a lot of times that we've been here a while, we'll read Scripture and we'll just kind of be like, okay, great, right? Like, okay, Jesus healed somebody that was blind, right? Oh, Jesus raised someone from the dead. Okay, great. Like, let's get to the next thing. But if we could just kind of focus in on what he has for us, and we're just going to pull out three questions from the text, and we're going to go ahead and read it together. So we're going to start in verse 1, chapter 2 in Matthew Let's go ahead and read. So verse 1 says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, and we're going to go ahead and stop there. So we're going to read through it. We're going to stop. We're going to talk about it. We're going to ask some questions. We're really going to dialogue uh, with the text and really engage with it um, as much as we can. So the first word there is after, after Jesus was born. And so this story takes place post-Christmas, right? And I think for us, we're kind of in that space as well, right? Christmas is officially over, right? We're done. And I can't believe that Christmas was actually less than a week ago. Doesn't it feel like it was a lifetime ago, right? It just feels like forever. How many people are glad that Christmas is kind of over? At least like the hustle and bustle of Christmas, right? Like the traveling, the hosting, the baking, the spending money, right? Like we're all glad certain parts of Christmas are over. But I think that we live in a culture where like we can't wait until something is over, but then there's always something after it. Right? But for me personally, I love Christmas. I love this idea of like the Christmas spirit. But one of my favorite things about Christmas is um, that a body of believers come together from everywhere around the world to celebrate Jesus, right? To celebrate his birth, celebrate the start of something new. And I love that we're able to do that as a community because that's exactly what happened in the Old and New Testaments, right? There were so many feasts and traditions that were celebrated and they did it together and they would travel miles and miles to get together to celebrate something. But I think over time, tradition and years, right, it kind of morphed into something that it wasn't necessarily meant to be. And I think sometimes with us in our Christmas, right, we kind of morph it into things sometimes that it wasn't necessarily meant to be. And so as we kind of continue on after Christmas, we have our bucket list of things that we need to do, a whole bunch of things, right? And our culture is very much like, check that box, now move on, right? Okay, what is next, right? New Year's is here, let's go ahead and do that. Okay, when New Year's is over, whatever is after that, right? Valentine's, oh, summer's here, now we need to start planning our summer vacations, right? Our summer trips, what are we going to do during the summer? And so it's so common to be right after Christmas, like what is next? Um, And so let's go ahead and read on in verse 1. It says, um, during the time of King Herod. And so what this guy was, and so it's kind of setting up our Uh, setting for all the main characters in our story, right? So you have Jesus, and now you have King Herod. And now who was King Herod? It was King Herod was this guy who kind of, I don't know if it was self-proclaimed, but everyone called him King Herod the Great. And so he was very egocentric. It was all about him. He was known for making these grand, large buildings, and he loved them when it was kind of all about him. He loved when people worshipped him, when people followed him, when people listened to him. And so this is the king um, that was here during that time, right? It's all about him 
King Herod. And so as we read on, then the Magi, which is another piece of characters, came from the east to Jerusalem, and they asked King Herod this. They say, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And so the Magi, or magicians, or wise men, come to King Herod, and they simply ask, where is the one born that we're supposed to worship him? And so what are they doing here? And I think that's our first point that we kind of want to pull out of the text is, are we still searching for Jesus post-Christmas? Right? Like, what is our heart intentions when it comes to Jesus? And kind of like we talked about, Jesus can be pushed aside, right? He can be forgotten in a sense. But, but Jesus is always there, and we need to be searching for him. In my tradition, I grew up in kind of a large family, but it wasn't always large when I was younger. Um, my cousins didn't have kids, and so it was great. And for our Christmas tradition, we would always open up our presents one by one. It always started off with the youngest first, all the way to the oldest. And so for me, when we first started doing that, it was great because I was always the youngest. And so I was able to open up my presents, and we were able to get it done. But then as I got older, my cousins started to have kids. They started to have kids. And then our family grew from like a group of like 10 to like 40 people on Christmas. And so then I was no longer the first person to open gifts anymore. And it was this long thing that took hours sometimes. But I remember this one time in particular, we were opening up gifts, and I was probably about 20 years old or so. And you know, like that pinnacle point of Christmas where like kids are opening gifts, they're laughing, they're running around, you're sharing stories. Oh, remember we used to do this. Remember we used to do that. There's all this food. We're just eating and laughing. We're watching the Lakers, right? We're watching something. We're just hanging out. And then I kind of have a moment where I sit back and I think in my mind, like, like this is dumb, right? And, 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 I, and I just think like, like this isn't the point of Christmas, right? Like I feel like I'm missing it. Right, as exciting and as, as great as it was to spend time with my family and to spend time with them and to laugh and to joy and to eat all this great food, that wasn't the point of why we were meeting. And I didn't realize it until I was about like 20 years old that this is great, but I don't think that Jesus meant Christmas to be this. Yeah, he wants us to have joy and time with family and laughter and great food, right? Jesus was all about food. And so he wanted us to enjoy each other, but sometimes I think we miss it. And so on Christmas often... I would miss Jesus in the holiday and getting caught up in myself and what I'm doing. And so if we've learned anything from the way of Jesus, right, Jesus calls us to be followers, those who seek him, those who go after him. Um, and just some stories from the New Testament, Zacchaeus, right? If you've ever heard the story, this guy who was really short and everyone was crowding around Jesus and he just wanted to see Jesus, so he climbs on a tree just to get a look at him, right? We have the woman who was who was born, um, and, and she just kept bleeding, and she couldn't stop. And all she did was go to find Jesus, to seek Jesus, just to touch his robe to be healed. You have Peter who was out in the boat, and Jesus out in the water. And what does Peter do? Let me come to you, right? He doesn't wait for Jesus to come to him. He says, let me walk in the water so I can go to you, right? The disciples and people of Jesus are, are, are modeled by searching after him and seeking him. Right, with Paul, he was working on his heart and he eventually found Paul. And that's what's great about Jesus is he's going to, he's going to be found, right? When you're playing hide and seek with him, he's not going to hide great enough where you can't find him. He's always going to be somewhere where you, he's tangible and you can reach him and you can connect with him. And so are we still searching for Jesus and keeping him first just like we did on Christmas Eve or just like we did when we first became Christian? 
right? Or just like we did when we're at the pinnacle of our faith and we're so excited and so on fire, are we still seeking Jesus? And what I love about the faith of the Magi is they were seeking to worship Jesus wherever he was, wherever he was going to be, they were going to seek him. Max Lucado says this, God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival be, would be worthwhile, right? The journey of finding Jesus in your faith may not always be easy, right? It may not always be smooth, right? It may be mountains. It may be valleys in finding Jesus. But once you get there, it's worthwhile. And so when I think about our Jesus journey as a church and as individuals, we kind of have different groups of people, right? We have those that it doesn't matter if it's Christmas or if it's the summer, you're like always seeking Jesus, right? Always following, always looking after him, and you're on it, and that's fantastic. I would encourage you to find somebody and pull them with you and do life together, right? And, and if you're somebody who's seeking Jesus but it's kind of sporadic, I encourage you to keep going, right? At, at the end of the message, we're going to have leaders here that you can come pray with. I, I encourage you to come and make that recommitment with them and say, Jesus, I'm going to keep seeking you. And then we have the group of people that are like, eh, I don't know about this Jesus thing. Maybe, I don't really know. I would just encourage you again to keep walking your walk, right? Because Jesus will always be found. I've had a lot of friends where we would have conversations and they would just say, oh, I just don't know if God is real. I don't know if Jesus is real. I don't know if this God thing is a real thing. And I would just simply encourage them. I encourage you to read the book of John one chapter a day and just read it. And I'll read it with you. And then we'll discover Jesus together, right? Because the person who's going to reveal himself is God in what we're doing. And so as we seek Jesus, right, we've heard of great uh, verses like Matthew 6, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Seek first, seek him. Are we still looking after Jesus? And to kind of go back to our story, the Magi had enough faith, right, to go to King Herod the Great, to go to him and say, hey, who's the king of the Jews that we may go worship him? Right, like how, how crazy is that faith, right? This guy can kill you, right, or he can do whatever he wants with you, and yet they still went to him and say, hey, who's the, where's the king of the Jews that we may go worship him? And so let's continue on in our story in verse 3. It says this, when King Herod heard that this, he was disturbed and awe Jerusalem with him. And what I love about this is it kind of talks about how, how God interrupts us sometimes, right? When we're walking, we're doing our own thing, God sometimes has to interrupt us. And just like he did with King Herod, he felt disturbed. And sometimes we need those interruptions in our lives, and it goes on. So King Herod called together all the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them, where was the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. Verse 6, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler whom will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called, Magi, called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact star where it had appeared. When he said to them, Bethlehem, he, then he told the Magi, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I too may go and worship him. Magi come talk to him. Hey, we're the king of the Jews that we may go worship him. He gets disturbed. He gets freaked out. He calls the Pharisees and Sadducees together. Hey, where's he supposed to be born? They say, oh, in Bethlehem. He says, okay, great. So we know where he's supposed to be born. Then he grabs the Magi together and he says, hey, Magi, go and find him, right, and let me know so that I may go and worship him too. 
right? But spoiler alert, if you've ever heard the story before, he didn't do it, right, intentionally because he wanted to worship Jesus. He did it because he had his own motives there, right? He didn't want there to be a second king. He wanted to be the king, right? He didn't want there to be somebody else. He wanted to be him, right? He wanted, he wanted to be the point, right, of Christmas or of all the time. He wanted to be the point, not somebody else, right? Nobody else can take his spotlight, right? Nobody else can get his credit. Nobody else can get his worship. And so now Herod's at this point, what does he do? So he does whatever he can to sustain himself, look after himself, look after number one. And so he sends the Magi to go find him so that he may eventually kill him. And so this is our second point, our second question that wise people ask from the wise men, which is, does Jesus have room in our homes? And I think at some point, we kind of have this interaction that we had with Herod, right? Not to the point of where we're trying to kill Jesus, but I think at some point, Jesus comes into our lives and he kind of interrupts everything. And he says, hey, there's not, there has to be space for me, right? I'm not okay with the leftovers. I'm not okay with just whenever you want it, right? Put me in a box, right? I'm not okay with that. If you're going to follow me, that means full discipleship. And so Jesus oftentimes will interrupt our faith and encourage us to keep seeking after him. And I know too far, too often I can, right, as myself, I can speak a big game of, God, I want to worship you. God, I want to follow you. But yet my actions don't match that, right? And it's something that I call in my context, the spiritual hokey pokey, right? Who knows what the hokey pokey is? right? You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out. And I think sometimes in our faith, when we get encouraged and we get glued in on what God has for us, right? We go to camp, we go to a retreat, we're in our word. We're like, God, I'm all for you. I'm all about it. Let's do this. Let's go do great things for the kingdom. Life happens and you're like, "Ah, I don't really know, right? And we often do this hokey pokey. Yeah, I'm in 100%. Let's do this. Oh, I, I don't know. My finances say that I can't, right? Or my schedule says that I can't. Or, oh, I'm too old. Oh, I'm too young, right? And oftentimes we're like, yeah, let's be all about it. Oh, but I don't really know, right? Jesus, I'll let you into my home, but only like in the front room, right? Don't go into the kitchen. Don't go into the bedroom. Don't go into these other rooms. And I think just like Herod, right, Herod had the same thing that we had, right? How much of Jesus are we going to let in to our lives, um, and so what the great thing about Jesus is, though, is he'll meet you right where you're at. And that's the thing that I love about him. In those deep, dark spaces where we feel that we're alone, where we're sad, where we're crying, where we feel like people don't get it, people don't understand, in those spaces, that's where Jesus is, right? That's where he's loving you. That's where he's encouraging you. And so we're all in different places in our lives, but know that Jesus is searching and seeking after you always. And two verses that remind me of that. The first one is Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that also tells me while I sin, Jesus loves me. If I don't read my Bible, he still loves me, right? If I'm not doing what he's commanded to me to do, he still loves me. And I think that's encouraging, Right, because so often we can be disobedient and then put on this gap where we can't be near to God, but yet he still loves us in our sin, right? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still there, he loved us. And if we think about all of our Jesus journeys, right, at some point we were there, right? 
while we were in our sin, Jesus loved us and he pulled us out of that. He pulled us out of our circumstances, out of the dirt, out of the muck, out of the selfishness, all about us. And he took us and he says, I love you. And I don't love you because you're perfect. I love you because I am perfect and I am love. And so I care for you. The second verse is 1 Corinthians 5.21, and it says this, But God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. And so in our faith journeys, Jesus offers us something, and we call it the great exchange, right? We give him our sin, he takes it all on the cross, and he dies, and then he raises again, and he defeats death. And in that, if we accept him and lay down our lives and follow him and keep him first, he then gives us his righteousness, right? God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might have the righteousness of God. In Jesus. And so I encourage you, if you're walking, you're struggling, or you don't know Jesus, today's a great day to know him and to believe him and to follow him and to seek him, right? Just like the Magi went to King Herod, where is the king of the Jews that we may go worship him? Oh, he's in Bethlehem? Go and do that. But I think oftentimes we have to face this interruption idea of what we have going on, right? Do we have enough room for Jesus in our homes, in our lives, in our works, in our relationships, in our social medias, right? And whatever we're doing, is Jesus there with us? And I love this idea of continuing on talking about this Christmas story post Christmas, because it's always good to remember that Jesus is worthy to be praised for, for, the, for the incarnation right even now. Um, so this past summer, I was at a summer camp that my wife was running, and so it was like an eight-week, nine-week uh, session, and we hung out with students every single day, went to a bunch of whole different field trips, and I was in charge of speaking at the camp, and so I would speak twice a week for like eight weeks, and the theme for Christmas was, uh, I always say this wrong, and I'm going to butcher it, you guys are going to judge me, um, it is uh, Mele Kaliki Maka, which is Merry Christmas in... Hawaiian. And so the theme of the summer was Merry Christmas. And every week we talked about what Merry Christmas was in a different language. And we went through the whole Christmas story in the eight weeks all during summer. And so every day during summer, I was able to tell the kids, Merry Christmas. And then, then they would all say back, Merry Christmas. yeah, in any language that they wanted, right? And so it was cool to kind of focus in on Jesus not during the winter. And I think that's so cool because we can get so caught up, oh, Jesus, right, that time just needs to be during Christmas, right? But it needs to be all the time. And it was sobering for me, who's been a Christian for quite a while, to experience that um, with the church and with everybody. So as we kind of read on, right, go find Jesus that we may go worship him. And so there's this quote from Billy Graham that says this, the very purpose of Christ coming into the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas. And whenever I think about Christmas and whenever I think about does Jesus have enough space in my home? Because even I need to take recollection of where I'm at personally. I always think that Jesus came to die right? Like that was his purpose. Like he came to die. Like he wasn't going to start a family, right? He wasn't going to have a retirement plan. Like he wasn't going to have grandchildren. He wasn't going to go travel, although I guess he kind of did. But like he wasn't going to go do all these things. The purpose of him was to come and to die for us, to love us and to encourage us and to be with us and give us an abundant life in him, right? That's not a life that's always filled with happiness and and everything going right, but it's a life at the end of the journey, it's worth it. And so as we 
move on in our story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. It says this, After they had heard the king, they went their way, the magi, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And that's our third question that wise, from the wise men. It says this, is your time with Jesus filled with joy? And when I, when I wrote that myself, I convicted myself immensely, right? Because sometimes my time with Jesus is not always filled with joy. John Piper says this, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I think finding joy in our journey is so important. Just like the Magi had their journey in finding Jesus, our journey continues even after we found Jesus, right? Our journey of life. And so this past Christmas, it was a, I had a family come up from LA, and so they're over there in the back. Um, and so we were able to hang out and just kind of enjoy each other. But one of my favorite moments was um, Sarah, or my niece, came up, and she's almost two, um, and she just... She just has so much joy over the weirdest things, right? And so there was this time where um, she was doing this thing called where she was hiding. And so she would run around the house, and then I would whisper to her, hiding, hiding. And then she would go, and she would hide somewhere, and I would throw the blanket on top of her. And then I would pull the blanket off of her, and then she would just laugh. And she just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And then we did that for like an hour until I got exhausted. She just kept going and going. And Sarah has this little hippopotamus that dances and sings in her house. And Riley, or my niece, she just came and she pressed the button and started dancing and it started moving. And then she would run crazy and she would laugh and she would run around it. And then she would just like have the time of her life. And she did that for another hour as well. <laughs> and so, but what I loved about it, and what I just kept thinking, what God kept telling me is, is she just has so much joy, right? She just has much joy over life. And I think that's the same joy that we should have when it comes to Jesus, right? When it comes to our quiet times, when it comes to our one-on-ones, our devotion time, time with each other, time of worship, it should be joyous. We should be delighted that we can partake in something like that, right? That we can come to this church and there's no persecution that we're here, right? And we can read his word and not worry about somebody killing us for it, right? And that we have it accessible, if not here on our phone. And we're just able to live this life where we have Jesus everywhere. And so our journeys should be filled with joy. And so verse 11, the story goes on and it says this, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I love that. And what's so humbling about the story of Jesus, right? In Luke um, chapter two, it goes, it says Jesus was born, right? Same thing in Matthew. And here in verse 11, it says, and then they worshiped him. And I think sometimes we can like forget those little sentences or those little remarks of what Jesus did. And he's always deserving of our worship, right, because he is deserving. And sometimes when I'm in worship and I'm, when I'm in church or when I'm by myself, sometimes I don't feel like worshiping. Does anybody ever feel like that? Right? You just don't feel like worship. But then I always think like it doesn't matter how I feel. He's deserving of it regardless of how I feel, right, because he's worthy and great and deserving and remember because he loves us and he cares for us and he died for us. So whatever's happening in that, they worshiped him. And I love that. They traveled such a long distance in their journeys to find Jesus. And once they found him, they worshiped him. And so what is our response when we find Jesus or when we've interacted with him, right? And when we meet him where we are, right? Is it to worship? 
Is it to turn away? Is it, okay, yeah, this is great one time a year, right? Or what, what is our stance when it comes in our faith journeys of finding Jesus? And so let's go ahead and read on in verse 12, and then we'll have one last point. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned from their country by another route. And so next week, Pastor Shannon is going to pick it up there, and then we're going to read, if you've never read it before, what happens next with the Magi and Herod. And so this is one last point I want to leave you with, right? Celebrating Jesus was not just for Christmas, but for every day. So wherever you are today, let's start today. The great thing about Christianity, the great thing about Jesus is every day is a new day, right? And a new opportunity to serve him, to seek him, to love him, to follow him. And so I encourage you wherever you're at to do that. Just like the Magi did in their journey in finding Jesus, overcome with joy, then worshiping him. I encourage you today, if you've been here forever or if you're new here, you don't know Jesus, right? Find joy in seeking him, loving him, and following him. So let's go ahead and pray together if you want to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the story of the Magi. I thank you, Lord, for the faith of Jesus. I thank you for loving us and caring for us. I thank you, Lord, that we can seek you with all of our faith and all of our hearts, and all of our minds. We thank you for our own journeys. We thank you for our families, Lord. And we just worship you um, because you are deserving, because you are worthy, and you are capable, Lord. And as we seek you today, help us not to forget the meaning of Christmas, which is Jesus. And in you, we know there's life and life abundantly. And we thank you for that opportunity. And we thank you for loving us in our sin and in our mess and taking care of us. And so as we worship you and as we leave today, I just pray that you're with us and you take care of us. In Jesus' name I pray.